everybody. I'm Casey Forbes. And I'm Sarah Cuvion. And this is Let the Good Crimes Roll. We have something that is so awesome because this week, all right, so a little backstory. With my job, when COVID started, I worked two days and I I worked two days in the office. I worked two days at home. Mm -hmm. Well... They told us that we have to start coming in three days. Oh, my gosh. And <laughs> when I left work on Wednesday, because I work and I work 10 hour shifts because I'm off on Fridays. Right. When I got off on Wednesday, I thought I had just worked like a six month turnaround. Yeah. Because I, I mean, so you, dead. you're pregnant, too. Yes. And you've got like three kids yeah. already here. And let me make it clear. I don't do heavy lifting. <laughs> I'm going to count it. <laughs> so I sit, I sit at my desk, and I mean, I I do heavy lifting with my mind sometimes. Yeah, that that's it's yeah. a mental toll. It is, but so. for some reason, just having to get up and be at work for six thirty, yeah, and then having to work till five, yeah, it's exhausting. So thank God you for have to Sarah. be at work for six thirty. Yeah, girl. Holy moly! No, and thank God for like my mother in law mm-hmm. because she actually comes over on the weeks that we have my husband's kids. Oh. And That's she's wonderful. at my house for six o'clock. So all I have to do is get up, roll out of bed, shower. I haven't even put on makeup. That's Thank how bad goodness it is. for like good in laws. I know. Mine are family. wonderful. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But, so Sarah is taking the lead this week. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the plan was to somebody had tagged me or us on uh, Facebook about a friend of theirs and their father had been uh, murdered and you know, they were like, this is something you guys should look into. So I started looking into it and realized kind of late in the week because I'm a procrastinator uh, that there wasn't like an actual documentary like Mm -hmm. I thought there was. So we're going to put that one on hold for now because I really want to, I really want to dive into it just because I've met the daughter. She doesn't know me from Adam, but like I've met her like some event or whatever. So I really kind of want to maybe even like reach out to the family and see Mm -hmm. like for one, is this okay? Do y'all mind if we do this? and if they want us to add anything to just kind of raise awareness. But so we're going to come back to that one this week. I was searching around the other night and I found this documentary on Amazon Prime and it's it's called Body Snatchers of New York. I just I'm like, what does that entail? A body snatcher? Exactly. It from right off the bat, it catches you. Right. Sounds so sci-fi. Yeah. In a twist this week, Casey has not seen this documentary. No. So I'm going to be telling you all and Casey at the same time. I'm so, so excited. I'm excited because I want to catch your reaction. This is a wild story. Y'all. <laughs> so this is the 2010 documentary called Body Snatchers of New York. And it's you can find it on Amazon Prime, possibly other places, but it was free on Prime. Oh, cool. Okay. So this is a story of a disgraced dental surgeon that gave up his license after he got addicted to drugs. And he moved on to what essentially comes to be called stealing dead bodies and mutilating corpses. Oh, my gosh. So there's not an actual murder in this story, but there is a lot of questionable judgment and definitely breaking the law. I have to say, it sounds like serious criminal activity. Yes, serious criminal activity. So this documentary opens with uh, a man named William Sherman, and he's the reporter for the New York Daily News. Uh, William Sherman, I'm 62. I'm a reporter for the New York Daily News. Well, my connection to the body parts case is I broke the story. I was having a drink or a couple of drinks with an attorney who's a friend of mine, and he said, I know you're not going to believe this, but There's a funeral home in Brooklyn where the owner, along with another guy, has been cutting up corpses and taking the bone and the tissue, 
putting it in a refrigerator and selling it to three publicly owned companies. It was a story that wrote itself, and it was a kind of a, an Edgar Allan Poe, horrific, repelling, curious horror story that involved real people with, with some tragic consequences. He's actually the man that broke this story. But when he comes on this screen, it kind of scared me because, I don't know, this is horrible to say, but he kind of looked, he just looks a little scary. I thought he was the bad guy. Oh. I thought, but he's not, he's a nice guy and he ends up breaking this story. He tells us that he was having drinks with one of his uh, attorney friends and his friend starts telling him the story of a funeral home in Brooklyn where the owner and another guy have been cutting up corpses and taking the bones and tissues and selling it to three publicly owned companies. Then oh we meet the main character of our story. His name is Michael Master Marino. Now, his name is a mouthful, so I'm going to refer to him as Dr. Mike just because it's Perfect. easier. But I don't actually like to give him the credit of being a doctor because because he's a I don't he's a trash piece. So I don't. We're just going to call him Dr. Mike. But you know, he tells us that in 2001, back in 01, I opened up Bio Tissue Technologies and Biomedical Tissue Services. Tissue banking is, in essence, um, an industry where they recover tissues, um, bone, skin, tendon, from someone after they die. He opens a company called Biomedical Tissue Services. This business is a tissue banking business where they recover tissues, bone, skin, and tendon from someone after they die. Now, this is actually a thing. This is a real thing, and it's actually legal as long as you have consent from the person before they before their death like or like from... Like organ donor. Yeah, yeah, because there's actually two sides of it. There's organ donation, and then there's like the tissue and recovery. So did you did you know that that was like no. a thing? I what, So they w- would use that tissue and that yes. bone into in live people? Yes. So they'll, wow. they'll use it like for different procedures, um, and and we're going to hear from some of the people that actually received these things. But yeah, it's a legal thing. And I think I want to say I had watched an episode of Grey's Anatomy like years ago where they were asking someone to donate like like skin and things like that. So I knew it was a thing. I knew it was like a legal thing, but had no idea what was actually happening here. So then we meet someone named Lee Crusetta. My name is Lee Crusetta. I'm 37 years old and I, uh, I'm a uh, licensed practical nurse and also a certified tissue bank specialist. I was referred to Michael Massimarino by uh, my former director in the operating room. Um, She told me he was a great person, an entrepreneur, and um, she told me he was starting a tissue bank at the time. He says he's a licensed practical nurse, but I imagine that his license has since been revoked since he's sitting in jail at the moment of this interview. (laughs) His operating room director recommended Michael Massimarino to him saying like he's a great guy, he's starting this business, and you should really check into it. Lee says he took pride in what he did, and he says he felt like this was his calling. Which I just... don't know about you, but I don't, I've don't. i never been called to like cut on dead people. You know what I you mean? You know, it's not my thing either, mm-hmm. but to each his own. I mean, I know... We pe- need them. We need I know people, they're... But... 
if I were in need of something, I would be thankful for someone like that. Maybe not in the way he's doing it. But so like I had told you, there's different sides to donation. There's organ donation. And then you have the tissue side of it where they take the bone, tendon, skin. And like one donor can help up to 80 people, which is wow. insane. And which is why like I do think organ donation and, and is this very important. is very important, mm-hmm. especially like I have a friend with her her son. He was born. He has this, I want to, I think it's like bilary artresia. I don't know if that pronounced that right. Brittany, I'm sorry if I didn't. <laughs> but um, her son needed like liver transplants. And it's like this ongoing thing. And thank goodness for the families of these children that were, you know, willing to donate their child's organs yeah. and, and help someone like Brittany's little boy. Mm-hmm. So I do think it's important. And I hate that we're going to learn what these people did and put a they put a bad spin on it. Yeah. Lee tells us that a tissue bank in a funeral home is not common. So he said that's like an untapped market in New York and he felt like they would do really well. So that's what kind of like prompted him to really go to work for Dr. Mike here. The two of them, especially Dr. Mike, really treat, I mean, we think of it as, you know, we've only been to like funerals and we've seen the emotional side of it. These two are definitely treating it as a business. I mean, it is a business for sure, but they're almost like detached from it. But to open a funeral home with a part of that being, oh, by the way, yeah. if you'd also like to donate your loved ones. And oh, in one part, it's kind of genius. But mm-hmm. in another part, it's kind of morbid. But I don't know. That's I, I, You're right. I've never heard of a, a funeral home that yeah. it's, offers that it, type of service. It's There's a lot of gray areas here um, with that. And we're going to find out more of why it's a gray area. So next we meet Josh Hansheft, and he's the assistant district attorney in uh, Kings County or, or the Brooklyn area. His position within the DA's office is uh, Bureau Chief of the Rackets Division. He doesn't actually tell me what the Rackets Division is. He just says it's the best division. And basically, it's like playing cops and robbers. He says one day a police officer comes to him and says he has a complaining witness or victim that wants to speak to him about something that's happening in her funeral home. They had purchased Daniel George Funeral Home, and they came in to tell us a few things that were going on there. They were more interested in some finances that weren't being handled properly. But during the conversation, she happened to explain to me that there's a bone um, program going on upstairs in this secret room. Well, that kind of got my attention just from a, you know, a, a, an incredible story perspective, thinking that it's probably not true, but tell me. So she proceeded to tell about this, you know, they would bring bodies in and this doctor would come and take bodies out and come out, go out the back door. And I think she called him Dr. Mike, if I remember. And a lot of people called him Dr. Mike. The lady had just purchased the Daniel George funeral home and started telling him about some of the things happening there. There were more interested in the financial part of the funeral home. And that's what they had questions about. But she happened. She didn't think they were being handled properly. But during that conversation, she just so happened to mention that there was what she called a bone program going on upstairs in a secret room, which right away, that would grab my attention right away. So I can only imagine what this assistant DA is thinking at this, like bone program. Yeah. Like, Hmm. wow. Okay. That's Probably like, this isn't probably true, but go ahead and tell me more. Now I'm just interested. So the lady tells him someone named Dr. Mike would bring bodies in and take them out the back door. Those are their words. People in the, even, people in the neighborhood even noticed that there was like a lot of activity going on uh, for it being a funeral home. So, yeah, yeah I mean, 
<laughs> homes are typically um, not very lovely. Exactly. You know? like, <laughs> that's, that's a very good way to put it. <laughs> very Adams family-ish, you know? Yeah. So then uh, we're introduced to Anthony Dumaine. Bless his heart. I felt so bad for him. He's the son of Thomas Dumaine. Anthony's father was being treated at the VA hospital for bladder cancer, but ultimately he, he died from it. This poor man, Anthony, he was just like heartbroken over his father. I can feel Essie. He was like how I feel like I would be if mm. something happened to one of my parents like just a hot mess so the day after his father dies he goes to the daniel george funeral home to make his father's arrangements by his account the owner made him feel comforted and things were were going smoothly i don't know if it was dr mike that was the owner at this point or if it was the lady Hmm. that was the owner of it it's entirely possible that dr mike was just renting out this upper level of the funeral home yes so that's entirely possible. He starts describing like the casket that he picked out and, and why it had such meaning to him. I actually picked out a wood type coffin because my father being that he was a carpenter and things like that, loved wood. I didn't want to go with the aluminum because it kind of was like cold and just not, there was no warmth to it. And picking out a coffin for your father is not a, something that you want to do. And you could tell he put a lot of thought into the final arrangements of his father that he clearly loved. And that kind of makes what happens even more awful because he says that he was very particular about how he wanted his father taken care of. He didn't want his father embalmed. He just wanted his father to be not touched and just Wait, left. He didn't want, don't embalming like, okay, y'all, sorry to get a little, little dark here, but that's where they drain them of their fluids, their bodily fluids, right? Yes. So that they, when they have the funeral, it's like the body doesn't de- start to decompose, right. correct? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they... So he just wanted his dad all gushy like that? I don't know. I don't know how fast like a body decomposes. I don't Especially know. Especially if they're like in a freezer. Yeah, I don't know how the funeral taking care of process works per se. All I know is... And I'm okay with that. Yeah. I, yeah. Look, <laughs> I, I read, a, I don't know, one of those ranker things, like five things you didn't know about or whatever. And one of them was like funeral homes and stuff. And I regret I know. reading like, it. Just, just like burn me and like go scatter my ashes somewhere. Ugh. So, <laughs> so all I know is like he he didn't want his father embalmed. He didn't want like the embalming fluids. I guess that would help preserve or anything. But he just wanted his father to be at, at peace and not touch. And I guess after a, a long battle with cancer, having been poked and prodded, and and it's like having... ooh, his soul done left his body. Like he's at peace. <laughs> That's just like what's left behind. Uh, Lee Crisetta. Nurse Lee Crusetta comes back in and tells us that the tissue banking, Lee Crusetta comes back in and tells us that tissue banking is legal in the U.S., like I said before, as long as you have the legal consent from the next of kin. That is a very important piece of information here, guys. Dr. Mike comes in and tells us that the procedures they were doing, he treated them like an operation, like tissues and bone, uh, not just little pieces of bone. Like they, These are like whole bones you, what that are recovered. Oh, we're going to get into it. Don't worry. We've recovered patella tendons, uh, Achilles tendons. You know, the, the femur, the fib tib, the tibia, the fibula. The humerus and the radius ulnus. Um, we also did hemipelvises. You know, we put the tissue on ice and then the tissues would then go back to our lab. Um, and then from our lab, they would be sent to these processing facilities. They would be processed, sterilized, and then go to distribution centers. And from distribution centers, you go to hospitals. And then ultimately, the patient gets the allograft. 
They're all those things are recovered. They're sent on ice. They're sent to a lab, I guess, to like check and make sure everything's okay. Then from there, it's sent to like processing facilities, and they disperse it to like hospitals and things like that. So it's processed, sterilized, sent to distribution centers, then hospitals, and then the patient receives it. So there's like a whole chain here that's supposed to happen. Next, we are introduced to a sweet little lady named Dana Ryan. My name is Dana Ryan. Um, In 2003, my family and I were living in Ohio, uh, and I was working for a private Catholic uh, university. The medical problems started in 2001. It was a herniated disc, and it was quite bad. Apparently, the disc had compressed down so much that it was bone against bone, and the recommendation was that it be built back up and packed with various bone, including from my own right hip, as well as cadaver bone. And she's the actual first victim that we meet. In 2003, she undergoes a surgery to repair a badly herniated disc. And they wanted to build it back up with bone from her right hip, as well as cadaver bone. She was saying like her discs were basically like rubbing together. Like you're supposed to have like a little bit of cartilage there or Mm -hmm. something in between it to like make a little cushion. Her discs were like bone on bone. And it was creating like this stabbing, shooting, chronic pain. They're like, okay, well, let's use some of your bone and some cadaver bone as well. And we'll fix that problem. Isn't that just incredible? I don't know how somebody thought like, hey, let's take a dead person's bone and, and fix this problem like how they thought of this is just Um, amazing but again i have no medical background so chrissy's probably going to listen to this and be like y'all are idiots (laughs) maybe but like you know how like there's just situations that you hear about and you're like that's a thing yeah you know what i mean like that that's something that happens in the world that was my mindset this entire documentary i live in a bubble who knew this was going on okay (laughs) this was even a thing yeah this is clearly a thing okay so on the screen at this point i'm glad you didn't watch this part because on the screen at this point they are showing what looks like an ice cream scoop of bone and cartilage and they're taking what looks like I don't know if you've ever seen like an immersion blender or something it's got like this half sphere on the bottom and like a stick kind of thing they're molding it and grinding it and then at some point they take like a chisel and a hammer and like crack it open and stuff it's insane so like like the the bone comes like almost like ice cream it looked that's what it looked like Do they melt it down or something I don't know I don't know how they prep it to go into a person what is happening are there aliens amongst (laughs) us I'm just so out of my mind with this that's what I'm saying it's insane Dana says that she received two separate pieces of bone from two separate cadavers Uh, so they used that to fuse her lower spine and she tells us that after the surgery she felt fantastic I was gonna ask how how yeah it's like she had that typical like surgical pain like from from, like an incision site and stuff but she said that shooting pain that chronic pain that she'd been dealing with was gone which is amazing like can you just imagine like that's like flipping a light switch right there dr mike comes back on and he (laughs) so eloquently tells us that when you look at the the whole body as the whole industry a body's probably worth about two hundred thousand dollars yeah about two hundred thousand dollars on the open market everything everything being given between organ and tissue donation it's a billion dollar industry. Uh, I can't believe this fool's talking to us. Oh, yeah. From jail. Talking to him and Lee Crusetta are both in jail. Is Lee a guy or a girl? A guy. A guy. Okay. 
so he he's telling us that the there's a monetary value for the human body. And it really kind of shows how callous he is and like how I said right. he's just detached. Like he is not emotional. Like he don't look at you as a human being. No, he looks at you like a dollar sign. Oh. And he tells us that the human body itself is worth about two hundred thousand dollars. What about those with- of us who have a little extra human body? <laughs> we a little bit more. Am I like three fifty? You know? Could they use this extra fat for something? Yeah, $200,000 with everything from like organ and tissue donation. Wow. It's a billion dollar industry that I had no clue existed. So Dr. Mike says it's a a, a business model with a very high demand and a very short supply. Well, because look, I mean, look at Dana, for example. I mean, that truly was a miracle. Yeah. That this woman, her quality of life has just significantly increased. Yeah. So I'm okay with that. Oh, you know, yeah. It's like, I'm happy for her. Oh, absolutely. And, and... But so to look at it from a, it's something that could genuinely help people versus this quack job saying... The human body is worth two hundred thousand dollars. Like, that's he's absolutely looking at it as a a, a business model. Yeah, versus saying we could we could help. Yeah, x amount of people. But what's interesting, and it kind of shows you his mindset is okay. He's saying very high demand, very short supply. What he's what that actually means is not enough people are dying. Oh, really? Yeah. Or donating, so, maybe? Or, or well, no. To- I mean, like you, t- in order to donate your organs and your tissues and stuff, you have to be dead. Right. So what he really means is not enough people are dying to supply all these tissues for people oh. who need it. That's that's what's crazy about how he views it. You know, he's like only oh. seeing dollar signs where he really should see that people are dying so right. he can get his product. Yeah. It's like there's too many people walking around alive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In his You're view. costing me business. Yeah. By, by his view. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so with a very high demand and a very short supply, that leads to very high prices. He explains that as a tissue recovery agency, they had contracts with processing companies they would send like these companies specific tissues and these companies are rti life cell and tutagen so these are the three processing companies that would request tissue or bones process them and then disperse them to hospitals wherever they were needed so as his company grew they reached out to more funeral home directors in the new york and new jersey areas and he says that the processing companies continually asked for more. Then we meet this fun little Brooklyn lawyer, Michael Vecchione, I think is how I'm sorry if I butcher that name. I'm really sorry. I know. Like that's the equivalent to us down here. Like, like, yeah, like a like Boudreaux or, or yeah. Thibodeau. People are like, <laughs> we're like, like we that. don't know y'all's Italian names. Sorry. Uh, so he is the chief of the Rackets division in Brooklyn and assistant DA come Josh comes to him with a story because he's really just not sure what to make of it. My name is Michael Vecchione, and I am chief of the Rackets Division in the Brooklyn District Attorney's Office. As I was sitting right here in my office, Josh came in, and he sat down, and he said, look, I have something. I'm not really sure about what this is, but um, let me tell you a little bit about it. And they told me about a, uh, an owner of a funeral home who would come in and who had just purchased a funeral home. It turns out to be the Daniel George Funeral Home. In her kind of tour of the funeral home, She had gone up to the embalming room, which we later call the cutting room, and she saw that there was a body being worked on. She mentioned that she found um, FedEx receipts from the old owner, and that they were sending these bones to a place called RTI. So in August of 2005, I subpoenaed documents from RTI, you know, with the hopes of finding something from those documents. 
And at about the same time, I received some documents from Daniel George Funeral Home. So now I start to, you know, pour through the documents that, you know, we have. At this point, Assistant DA Josh is like, I don't know if this is legal. He doesn't really know anything about the recovery. Like, this is so crazy. It sounds like like an urban myth. Yeah. You know what I mean? That'd yeah. Be like, is this just a rumor going around that it ain't. some kid started? And so he's telling him the story because he really doesn't know how to proceed, I guess. He tells him that the previous owner of the funeral home found FedEx receipts for like RTI, that processing company that mm-hmm. I mentioned, the, um, because they were selling bone. Dr. Mike was selling bone to them. So the DA's office was like, okay, this doesn't quite sound right. Because at that point, they're not even sure this is legal. So they're like, we're going to subpoena these documents from RTI. And they do that in August of 2005. They were hoping to find something to like uh, enlighten them. In, within these documents. At the same time, they receive some documents from the Daniel George Funeral Home where Dr. Mike operated. Assistant DA Josh pours through the documents that they have and realizes that there were many companies and many funeral homes and many bodies. At this point, he realizes that the case is getting bigger than him and he's he's needs some help. So he enlists the help of Patricia McNeil and she's the bureau chief uh, in the Kings County DA office rackets division. So she becomes co-counsel with assistant DA Josh. And at this point, they're not entirely sure what Dr. Mike is doing. So kind of like me and you, they were coming at it from like, what is happening? They know that he's taking tissues and bones and they're like what what is this and and what's the legal recourse like exactly is it legal is it yeah. not legal so they know they're dissecting bodies and taking the bone and tissue but they don't know entirely what they're doing with them they know that they were giving the thing all of these samples and stuff to processing companies for use in transplant but they're not sure if that could legally be done so that's some that's like the whole premise of this investigation how it started they need to find out if what they're doing how they're doing it is legal so it started with someone saying hey there's a lot of activity going on at this funeral home yes there's bodies going out the back door something is not right i mean they're not they're not doing their thing burying these people yeah there's something extra going on here so yeah it took one whistleblower coming forward saying yeah basically it took it took the new owner of the funeral home to come forward and be like something but even that owner wasn't sure like sure what like concerned overly concerned about what was happening upstairs so when law enforcement got involved they just kind of were tiptoeing in yeah just kind of looking to see if there was a crime going on and the deeper they dug the more they realized because it sounds so odd yeah, it's not like someone was they were being like, murdered. Yeah, they're like, okay, we maybe need to look into this. Yeah, so okay. that's where we're at at this point. So at this point, we know that recovering tissue and bone is legal, like we've mentioned before, mm-hmm. if you have consent. So that that's I, that was my whole question. Like, what made the DA decide to go forward? Like, what was piquing their interest here? But I guess it was like, could they not find the consent? forms or so we're going to get into those consent forms dr mike is uh subpoenaed and he calls his lawyer mario gallucci and he he has like this brooklyn accent and i love it he came into my office with the subpoena i sat down and i read the subpoena it was from the uh king's county or brooklyn new york district attorney's office and i didn't understand what they were looking for because i i personally had i was never aware of the tissue harvesting business. So I said to Michael, my initial reaction is, what are you doing? Is, is You could do this? This sounds like something that's out of a, a Frankenstein movie. To be quite honest with you, I, I felt the same way that everybody else felt when they first heard about it. 
And then he explained to me that, yes, it's done every day. This is a legal business. And then I began to do my own research on the industry. So that was my first meeting with Michael. So this is the defense lawyer for Dr. Mike. He has no idea what tissue harvesting is, if it's a legal thing. So he has to educate himself just like the DA's office is currently doing. Assistant DA Josh learns that you can't actually buy body parts like a bone, but you can pay what is called a recovery fee. So you can't actually exchange money for a body part. So what not they a body bone store? <laughs> no, believe it or not, no. Well, that's so uh, so what they the loophole that these people are finding is that you can pay what is called a recovery fee. That just a body bone store sounds more legit than a recovery <laughs> fee. You know what I mean? Oh, like, right. What are you recovering? <laughs> Did you murder them so you could get it? Exactly. I wouldn't put it past this guy, honestly. Oh, my gosh. The companies that process bone are paying for the service of recovering that bone. By chance, he just happens to... So DA Josh is looking at um, through these documents that should have had the same person's uh, signature. So these are two separate documents, should have had the same signature. They were different. The paperwork on its face uh, made sense. Uh, It looked like there were family members who signed, who gave consent, that there was proper signatures, there was proper information. Um, But once you looked behind it, it absolutely made no sense. And that kind of set the alarm off that something's going on here. We have somebody forging somebody's signature. And that's what starts the whole legality of this thing. And what's crazy is he just by happen chance stumbled upon these two documents and was like, oh, I need to look for the signature. Oh, wait, they're different. And at this point, they have boxes upon boxes in multiple rooms of documents. And he just happened to find these two pieces that were it's it's insane. And I'm glad he found them. It's two different names or it's two different handwriting. It's two different handwritings. It was supposed to be this same name, same handwriting. But in this case, they were different. So at face value, the paperwork looked like the family members were signing and were giving consent. But this right here is what set off the alarm that someone is forging signatures. Now we're back to scary reporter William Sherman, who's actually a very sweet man. We that see... name is like so legit. It was scary looking. <laughs> yeah, he is. Like, which is Sherman from, uh, isn't that from the Munsters? I don't or know. I don't know. I feel like Sherman's a, like a Munsters name. For he looks creeper. And I, and I feel son. bad because he's he's not a bad guy, guys. But they, it was bad lighting. You wonder if they like just casted him to be the he's it's the actual reporter. like they like, did. In the, you would fit this position right yeah. here. We start seeing on the screen like headlines about body snatchers and all all of these shocking headlines and stuff. And, and Dr. Mike says that he can tell you exactly what he did and the media can tell you exactly what he did, but they would be two completely different stories. So like I can get, you know how like the media or the news can like twist things to fit a certain narrative. Yes. I get that. He's not wrong on that point. But in this case... The media is not wrong. Well, but this is black and white. It's like, did you or did you not take people's like tissues and bones without their consent? Exactly. And so. Yes or no? In this case, the media is is well, entirely right. justified. He says the media makes it sound like they were desecrating people's loved ones. He says to have his name raked through the mud hurts. And he breaks down crying. After he said the average human bodies were two hundred. Yeah. And I was like, this fool right here. What a narcissist. Exactly. I was I was so outdone with him. People <laughs> refer to him as a ghoul. So I wonder why. I didn't know this. I've always heard the the word ghoul, but it actually means an evil spirit or phantom that feasts on dead bodies Ooh. or a grave robber. <laughs> so like, Ooh, I just thought yeah. it was like a ghost. I know, I did too. Yeah. But no, it's it's 
Mm, okay. So, yeah. So he breaks down crying and says he can't believe this is his life. You did this to yourself. Exactly. Dr. Ghoul. After his little breakdown and his declaration that he really is a good person, they cut back to the lawyer, Mario Gallucci, who says Dr. Mike had him and everyone in his office completely convinced that what he was doing was absolutely legal. The lawyer was like believing that the DA's office had no idea what was going on. Dr. Mike, lawyer Mario, sit down with the assistant DA, Josh and Trish to give them their story. We sat down with, I believe it was Josh, uh, Trish, and Michael told them his story. That first meeting, it was he was in complete denial and complete, I had no idea what was happening. So I listened to his story. I let him get up. I let him walk out knowing that at some later time we'd, we'd have a future meeting about what really went on. Assistant DA Josh is like, we let him walk out the room, he said, because we knew this wasn't going to be the last time we met. Mm-hmm. So basically, they know he's lying. Yeah. They're just building their case at this point. Right. Once Assistant DA Josh was able to verify that people did not give consent to give over their bones, they were able to approach the families because they were confident that what they are claiming happened did happen. So they needed to like verify with the families that they did not give consent either. He said that 99.9% of the families did not give consent for anyone to touch their loved ones. And don't you wonder, like, maybe if he would have asked them, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Maybe Mm -hmm. not all of them, but if he would have approached the families and said, look, we offer this service where you can donate your loved one's bone and tissue. It won't affect how they look at the funeral. Right. And this will help thousands of people. People might have actually given consent. Right. You know, I mean, it's entirely over. It's entirely possible. But but can you believe it? Ninety nine point nine percent did not give consent. Oh, my God. That's, I, yeah, I do believe it. That's yeah. insane. They were able to determine that Anthony Dumaine's father, the one that was in the VA hospital, his father, Thomas, had bones removed without consent. And then they ask Anthony if they can exhume his father, which I can only imagine. I was is, about to say, did they have to? Is like, tr- like traumatic in of itself. Yeah. So they do. We see like the video of the actual exhumation. And mm-hmm. it's remember, he said he had like this. He had this wooden casket for his father because his father was a carpenter. And you see this wooden casket is being brought up and it's like the top is collapsed. And it's just it's it's tragic and it's heartbreaking. And I hate that it that it happened and he had to see that. So they exhume him and they perform the autopsy and they were able to determine that his bones had been taken out and replaced with PVC pipe. What? Yes. And so poor, that tells you he knew he was doing something wrong. Yes. It was a, he was covering it up. Mm-hmm. Poor Anthony. He's like he feels like he let his guard down and that he didn't protect his father. And I can I can totally understand where he's coming from because I feel like that, you know, with my parents, my parents are not like old. They're like right. what, 65. I don't consider that old. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're, they still get up and go. But I can see like if they were in that position that his father was in, yeah. I would feel like it was my duty to protect them. And if something like that happened without my knowledge or consent, I would be devastated. You would feel betrayed. I would feel betrayed. I feel like I let my parents down. But you trusted this this entity. You mm-hmm. paid them to do what you wished for and they, they lied to you. Yes. Exactly. Girl, you know your mama and from her little ghost self would come down and be like, oh, no, she's like, I'm oh, going to pinch your toes. That's not your fault, honey. You weren't there. <laughs> then she'd go over to the guy who did it and look over her glasses yeah, and be like, exactly. look here, you little asshole. You know, she <laughs> would. Exactly. I can absolutely hear my mother saying that. <laughs> it appears as though over 1,000 corpses or what they say invaded. They took 
Oh, so from one of the victim's daughters says her father was skinned. Basically, they took over 900 square inches of skin and every bone they could and like mutilated him. So it makes me think that some of this is happening like after funeral services. It has to be. It has to be. Like they do the funeral. But I mean, like you think about it at a funeral, you get done Mm -hmm. and then it gets brought to the the, where you're buried. Yeah. So how would they have time? I have no idea. Unless these were closed. You know, they talked to him in closed caskets yeah. or to skin. Or, oh, my God. I know. Or they because you're most people aren't there when they're buried. So mm-hmm. maybe they stopped it, went back and That's got them. entirely possible. I mean, I guess it all depends on like how the, the services were supposed to go. But yeah, yeah. I mean, to have all this done without a family's like, knowledge. Because I would they do this? Right. It could have been a combination of both. Yeah. To where like if they knew they were going to have a closed casket, they went ahead and did it before and put like PVC pipes in or whatever. The, the fact that we're even talking talking about replacing bones with pvc pipe is insane yeah to skin someone to skin it's 900 square inches of skin good god so now we start to learn about another illegal aspect of this case not only were families not giving consent and dr mike was forging signatures but dr mike and his staff were making it appear as though these tissues and bones were coming from healthy people Bodies destined for funeral preparations were desecrated with the illegal removal of valuable tissue to be used for medical procedures. Because the documents on these tissues were forged, it was often made to appear that the donors were younger and healthier. And that means that some of those people who received tissue could have received tissue that was contaminated. Yes, girl. I heard your gasp. Yes. I mean, it's just like one lie after another. Yes. So you know you're doing wrong. Yes. So not only were they illegally taking body parts from people, but they were taking body parts from people who were not healthy. Yes. Oh, my gosh. One of the victim's daughters says that her father was in the worst possible condition for tissue donation. He was 95. He was frail. And he had lung cancer that had metastasized to his bones. So they're given the they're putting this in people. Yes. Yes. And that could destroy the quality of their life. Yes. So Dr. Mike says that if they weren't doing good work, then the companies, the processing companies would have asked him to stop sending tissue to him, to them. He says that every specimen at the processing facilities gets tested and cultured. So according to him, if there was a problem with a bad bone going out to the processing facilities, they would know within a week. He says that didn't happen. He says it was the opposite that companies consistently asked for more bone and tissue. Maybe because they were making so much money from it. You'll see that greed is the motivating factor here. Problems would maybe possibly take years to come out. Yeah. So, bless her heart. We cut back to uh, Dana Ryan. Remember, she had the uh, herniated the discs. Yeah. yeah. So the fused spine. She gets a letter in November of 2005, making her aware that I quote: "The company that provided the donor bone used in your fusion cannot document the attainment of proper consent and screening for the bone from the donor or the family of the donor. The FDA and CDC recommend that you be." offered access to appropriate infectious disease testing. The testing would include a test for HIV, hepatitis, and syphilis. Oh, end quote. Gosh. Can you imagine? So they weren't even testing to see if, if these people were like infection free? Oh, we get in there. That's what I'm saying. This case just gets crazier and crazier. Dr. Mike 
Lee Cressetta and two other associates end up turning themselves in at the end of February in 2006. And Dr. Mike is so arrogant because he, he makes a point to say that he turned himself in. He didn't get arrested. So he thinks he should get brownie points for that. Like, so did Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> <laughs> you dipshit. <laughs> You're not a saint. He's he's saying that, that uh, the DA like made a show of it and a spectacle and all this kind of stuff. But he's indicted on 122 counts oh and the most God. serious of them. Oh, uh, you're right. This gets crazier I'm and crazier. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. So the most serious charge. Yes. Thank you. There you go. Was enterprise corruption, which alone could get him like 25 years in jail. Did they explain like what that means? Not very well. And I forgot to Google it before this podcast. But they said apparently this is something that you would see in like uh, loan sharking cases or, or books. Book. But they say bookmaking. I assume that's like falsifying your financial records yes. and stuff. Or with like mobsters is yeah. what they say. Initially, Dr. Mike and, and the three others plead not guilty. According to Lee Crusetta, they're lawyers felt like they could blame it on the funeral directors and they would like walk away from this that's and how did they justify that did, yeah you know that the funeral directors said yeah they gave oral consent yeah like, it's I don't, fine just go on and take their yeah, skin yeah they were gonna try and pin it on them but so poor Dana Ryan comes back and she tells us that she got her test results and that she had been exposed to hepatitis B which is an inflammation of the liver very serious. Was and, that in the cadaver? Yeah. Well, I'm saying yes. Um, but it had I'll, to. Something it had to have been. But right? I'll come back to that. Um, oh, but my so this gosh. He- hepatitis B it can be, sometimes be fatal too. It's well, a what very serious. That these things are being tested. Are they not being tested for STDs? Well, I'm glad you asked because fat liars. It turns out that the blood DNA, so this blood DNA is initially screened for illnesses like those things. That's what the initial screening has done. And that lets the the tissue processor know, okay, this is a good sample. Send us the rest. Or the sample is contaminated. We're not going to take any more. What they're finding out is that this blood DNA that they're doing the initial test on does not match the tissue DNA that's getting sent to them. So they're sending them someone else, a healthy yeah. person's blood. Yeah. So Dr. Mike and his crew were sending processing companies samples of blood that they knew were going to be okay. Okay, but they also knew oh. did not match the tissue samples they would be sending. My gosh. Dr. Mike justifies all of this by saying, I met up with Michael and I presented to him the DNA. And I said, Mike, what is this? I don't worry about it. No, <laughs> we got to worry about it. What are you talking about? What is it? You got to explain this to me. No, 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 no. That's nothing. That's that's made up. The processes, you know these processes, they want to put this all on me. They're doing everything wrong. This is this is their way of, of putting it all on me. I didn't believe him. I didn't believe him. And I and 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 I knew at that point that he was he was lying to me. Yeah. So basically Dr. Mike was taking tissue from people and had no idea if these people were completely healthy. It's only when his like lawyer confronts him with this DNA evidence that he's like, Oh, Maybe I need to plead guilty because I'm not going to win this. He was lying to his lawyer up until the very last minute. They were about to go to trial. Let me tell you where my, my mind is right now. My mind at first was like, well, they're taking a little bit of tissue here, a little bit of bone there. And then you're like, no, they're taking like big chunks of 
big enough amounts of bone that it has to be replaced by a PVC pipe. Mm -hmm. Then I'm like, okay, well, that's not good. Then it's, they are lying about potential. They could be exposing people to harm. I mean, Mm -hmm. like, this is absolutely mind boggling. I know. I know. Oh my God. The nurse Lee Crusetta admits to signing consent forms and forging other documents. And Dr. Mike says he decided to plead guilty because he was guilty. Despite justifying his actions throughout this entire documentary for the last 45 minutes of my life, he was like making excuses as to why he did what he did. Um, He says that he never intended to hurt anyone because he knew that the tissue was going to be sterilized and all possible transmissible diseases would be dead. Well, apparently not. Yeah. See, he he even says like the smart guys just make up these rules. (laughs) Well, the documentary immediately cuts to a smart guy. (laughs) So yeah, that's false. So uh, one of the smart guys is Dr. John Healy, and he's a physician, a surgeon, professor at Cornell, and he's like the chief chief of orthopedics at Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. So I take him as an expert. He's like the expert witness for the DA. He says that what Dr. Mike did and the types of tissues that he took put the transplant recipients in harm's way. Bones with like osteoporosis or cancer won't hold up as well and don't heal as well. It's just it's not the same surface area to heal and it's a serious problem. And he also says that the HIV testing was not done in a standard way. So the donors could have been infected and the processing not been sufficient enough to cleanse that bone and make it safe for transplantation. So basically what Dr. Mike was saying to justify his actions was completely false. And the documentary is like, cue the actual expert. Exactly. Oh my God, Sarah. I know. I know. All right. Dr. Mike was sentenced to 18 to 54 years in jail. And Dana Dana Ryan was like, his sentence is lighter than mine. She's like, my sentence was life. She's like, right. I, I have to live my life with this. With Yeah, I mean, then she may end up having to get it like exactly. a liver transplant. Exactly. Oh, how awful. But there is a point made that, you know, Dr. Mike and his little business, it's a smaller piece to a bigger picture. So the processing companies were never held accountable either. But 14 people across New York and Pennsylvania have been convicted for their roles in illegally harvesting human tissue for Mastro Marino's, Dr. Mike, uh, his company. Most of the claims have been settled out of court, but in the settlements, no liability on behalf of the processing companies was conceded. So like RTI, one of the processing companies, maintains that their sterilization methods ensured that there was not risk of disease transmission from the tissues they supplied. They and the other companies are never prosecuted. Shouldn't they have like seen these consent forms, though, and had them on file where the uh, like I said, I'm an accountant. So like I, I'm all about what if an auditor comes in? We yeah. got to be up to par for what yeah. it is. I would think if you are accepting cadaver bone, you say, look. I need a copy of the consent form that was signed by either the patient or the patient's family. I need proof that this Mm -hmm. is a legal item that is being processed. I'm just, there's just a lot of safety guards that are just not put in place here. Like you need to make sure that that initial blood sample matches the DNA to the tissue Uh sample. You can't just take their word, the guy's word for it. Where's your documentation? Where's your double checking here? And even if they're honest, I mean, mistakes happen. Exactly. It is worth mentioning though, that the origins of Dana Ryan's tissues have been contested. So they're, they're like saying like, oh, well that didn't come from us or whatever, but it cannot be independently verified by public records. And it just so happens that all of Dr. Mike's company's documentation relating to the period before and during her surgery, so that's the 2002-2003 era, were destroyed by his company. More so there's than not, it is. I mean, that's speculation on our part, but if it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck. Uh, yeah. 
And if you can't prove it's not, then... Yeah. A little bit of uh, irony here is that Dr. Mike actually died in prison what? in 2013. And, and guess what he died of? Bone cancer. No way. That's, that's it was, and I, don't right to, I don't mean to laugh, but this, what this that's guy karma. did is like so unbelievable. It was actually liver cancer that had metastasized to his bones. But I'm like, damn, that is, some, that is some tragic karma. Y'all, karma is a thing. Let me tell you, God don't like ugly. Yeah. So the interest, not interesting part, but his lawyer, Mr. Mario Gallucci, was like, you know, he intended to do good things. And and maybe it started out that way yeah. when he formed his company, but greed got the better of him. Yeah. And he said it's not just greed on on Dr. Mike's part. It was greed on like the funeral director's part, the processing company's part Big time for not company. Yeah. I, I I disagree with them not being uh, prosecuted in some way, shape, or form. Right. That I feel like you have a responsibility to double check all of these things before you like push them through yeah. onto an, a human being. Yeah, and we. I feel like we also need more studies on whether or not your uh, sterilization techniques really do rid these bone specimens and tissue specimens of of cancers and diseases and stuff because clearly we have two different ideas here yeah so I it, mean, it's just oh my it's God. insane that was a crazy one Sarah. yeah so that's my story of the body snatchers of new york yeah that one because it really did build at mm-hmm. first i thought oh well this and i was like oh, what and then it just kept growing it kept growing that's what i thought Girl. too i was like okay it's just it's like tissue but there are so many other levels of illegal doings here that it's insane oh my god so if you guys haven't watched body snatchers of new york you can find it on prime i recommend watching it because the whole time i'm just like holy cow watch it yeah Yeah, i think you should i'm excited to watch it actually (laughs) after hearing your story because i'm like whoa yeah i feel like there was isn't there been a movie called body snatchers i think there was and it may be like a stephen king uh, so. something or, or other, but yeah, oh my it's God. definitely an appropriate title. <laughs> oh my God. That's just insane. Well, yes. Well, girl, thank you for, uh, for doing this one and for of bringing course. this to our attention. This one's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, next weekend, uh, I'm sorry, next week we'll be back, uh, in Louisiana and new Orleans for an even more bonkers one. Yeah. This one is insane. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll I'm doing have, that one, right? Zach and Addie. Yes. Yeah. Zach and Addie. Um, we're doing, I think, did, did was it Handsome Devils or something like that documentary we were going to watch? There was like two different ones, and I okay, can't remember you which one. If we find the other one, let me know. Yeah, I'll find it. And we will have our special guest co-host, uh, Amber. Cousin Amber. <laughs> Just make sure um, no children are listening <laughs> when you listen to that one, because... We kind of have little potty mouths, but hers is a straight up sailor's mouth. Yeah. Just saying. So, Bless but it. she's really funny. So, all right. Well, we will see you next time. Bye, guys. <laughs>